This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Liebe meneer, Black Lives Matter en andere kniebuigers. Fooi toch man, hoe erg. Jou revolutie is so sonder enige nieuwe idees. Jy sê die wereld diskrimineer tegen jou, ek wil jou iets vraag nou oor. Die wereld, die hele wereld diskrimineer vir jou en steeds voel jy dat niemand na jou luistert en sê jy op nationale televisie vandaliseer, brand, skiet, skop, slaan, vloek, jou broek aftrek en skuit in die straat nie. Is dit hoekom jy, meneer Black Lives Matter, andering op minder politiehering? Hoe erg dat jou idee van politiehering die vasttrek is van vrouwe verhaatspraak op jou broose ego hoe verschrikkelijk dat jij op wette moet andering met ander verplig om jou lief te hee. Hoe frustrerend voor jou, dat jij ander volkense monumenten mag verwoes, maar sikkel om enig iets in die plek daarvan opgerucht te kry. Hi, my name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Uh, that was the face, the very ugly face and very ugly voice of <laughs> my, my good friend Steve. How are you? I heard that. Listen, I actually watched the YouTube video on my right-hand side. You're, you're damn right. You know, this face scares people. <laughs> this face scares people. This voice scares children. Um, yeah, which is, which doesn't help in the in the debates, the benevolence of the debate. Steve, how are you this morning? Are you are you how are you feeling? Are you aggro? I'm are feeling you good. Um, I suppose a, a trending video isn't what I had in mind because um, I've got other things that I'm concentrating on now. I'm making some music. We're doing an online concert once a month. I don't know how other people survive. I don't know why I'm the only one who's neurotic about income. But um, us musicians are really standing at the back of the queue when it comes to working normal mm. lives, you know, normal audiences. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the rest of the world is doing, actually. But I know South African singers and artists are in big trouble. So we do online concerts. Um, it's not great. It doesn't substitute um, uh, the salaries, but it does help a little bit, keeps us fit as well. So that's what, that's what I'm doing, um, but most of the time I'm sitting around, and I, I've never been good at that. So, Steve, that v- little clip of that video that I played there, um, that's from a, a, a full-length clip. The, the People can click on the link, it's under the video, if, if they're going to watch the full thing. Those who don't understand it, you've got an English version coming out in a few days' time. That's right. Well, and for the, those uh, who don't understand, the version has been amazing uh, simply because, um, you know, obviously I'm preaching to the converted, mm. but uh, all my videos are in Afrikaans because I speak to my community. It's an opinion piece about my communi- community. I even had a guy saying that um, it shouldn't, it, uh, there's, a, there's something wrong with the reasons for doing it if I don't translate it in English because you've got to get to the right people. Maybe there's a point. So I'm going to, I translated it to English where I kind of shoot from the hip in Afrikaans. I had to actually go sit physically and translate the stuff into English. Lots of it does, lots of it just don't uh, translate very well in English. Um, and I sometimes sound pretentious in English. So I've had to go, uh, mm. this time I'm reading uh, the video uh, when, when, you, when you watch it. I'm launching it on Sunday morning. I've got many reasons for that. It's a week later. But if you wanted to get the video out to other people who are interested, white and black people all over the world, these um, are my feelings about the Black Lives Matter. Well, let, well, that's why we're going to be chatting, uh, you and me. Um, <clears throat> so those who haven't seen the video, I strongly recommend you click on the link, go and watch it. Um, if you struggle with Afrikaans, don't worry. That's why Steve and I are chatting now, because Steve is going to run through a bunch of things that he spoke about. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll, I'll have the English version in front of me. Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Mm. It's, a, it's a difficult video to make because um, people would, you have to qualify. Are you speaking about Black Lives Matter, the movement? Because I'm not really. 
Am I speaking about Black Lives Matter, um, the sentiment, uh, which is a global sentiment, of course? Um, am I speaking about organization in South Africa? Because I'm not sure we have an organization like that in South Africa. But we certainly have the prevailing sentiments. Um, we've lived with the doctrines in South Africa. We've lived with the doctrine of Black Lives Matter uh, all our lives. It's, it's the, the tyranny of entitlement. Um, it's the movements that start after you've decided that we shouldn't have racism and skin color isn't important. Within a year or two, all that changes so that skin, only skin color is important. I just don't know this world, you know. I signed away, so I'm an old yes voter. I signed away my sovereignty to a new South Africa because I really believed uh, pigmentation mm. doesn't matter. And within 20 years, I am on the wrong side of the fence. Pigmentation seems to be everything. And I'm taught this by former victims of discrimination of pigmentation. Um, our entire black struggle preempted the Black Lives Movement in, in the U.S. anyway. I'll be, li I'll be lying if I, if I say to you that black people inspired my video. I got triggered by um, videos of white people. Corin. White folk falling on their knees. Exactly, crying about white privilege and kissing the feet of black people like prostitutes. Many black people frowned when they saw this happen. And it's happening. It's happening in South Africa and it's happening uh, abroad. But, but when the um, super-woke ANC appeasing sports bodies and administrators of South Africa... Graham Smith. Fell, <coughs> uh, <coughs> ...fell in with this wave of lunacy, just as a citizen, I exploded. Um, so no, no, I'm not a Black Lives Matter expert, but I've lived with the reality all my life. Steve, let's just let's just put something out there because this is always, always coming up um, with people like us who challenge these narratives. This actually has nothing to do with black people. We have this isn't about black people. This is about a mindset that's that's problematic. Right? Am I right? Yes. Uh, very importantly is uh, that I I'm not stupid. I've done this before. I know what the uh, what to anticipate. I know what the criticism against me will be. Um, the dumbest of the people will go racism because they scream racism for everything. Um, the the others will say, but uh, you know, it's a white person. You you don't have the authority to comment on black suffering. We're not going to ask you, Mr. Whitey. And I think they are right. That's why uh, mine is not a white opinion. Uh, I took my lead from black activists and anti-black lives matter. Accounts like like um, Tyrone Magnus, like the Hodge twins, like David A. J. Harris, like Leonidas Johnson, like Larry Elder, Wayne Dupree, Pastor Alvin Marat, um, uh, Roland Fryer. These are all people who either studied this, are activists, or they're making comments in YouTube. Mm. Exactly now, that sound exactly like mine. I was very careful not to uh, use too many white sources for my um, for my piece that I basically wrote. And remember that black people who oppose Black Lives Matter are coconuts and are not really black people. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but, um, you know, it contaminates the argument. That's all it is. Mm. It's contaminating the argument. Uh, but South Africa is placed very uniquely when it comes to the Black Lives Matter argument. Um, I wonder if I should go back to the beginning. Yes, just, let's do that. We've got time. I want to just make, no, let's make two points here. Um, firstly, you get protests, and they are not the same as riots. Protests tell me of a civilization and a way to come to a place where you 
the, the verbalize your promise. Uh, a, a riot means I'm going to break all those rules. I'm not going to ask permission, and I'm in, on the way there, I'm going to become a criminal. I'm going to burn something and vandalize something. So um, I'd like to just keep that in mind as we carry on from here. Then um, the, the Black Lives Matter movement in, um, in, in the U.S. is something that we see all the time. In fact, the only sources I need, the only, atten- the only research I need is living in South Africa. If you stop a brick-wielding, statue-destroying United States Black Lives Matter Antifa rioter now, if you stop him now and say, look, what do you want? She'll express unknowingly South Africa. She'll express unknowingly Venezuela, Zimbabwe. We want what the Union, the Soviet Union failed with so yeah. miserably. That's what they'll be saying. We, we don't seem to remember that. And um, we are willing to repeat it because of that. Yeah. Uh, the, the ideal where everyone would work according to their abilities and receive according to their needs, that, that changed to everyone works as little as possible and grab as much as they can. Um, I'm quoting someone I know, but I don't know who. So um, what... Is the end game, I think, is the thing you asked uh, earlier on. What is the end game? Yeah, what is the end game? Africa. Mm. South Africa is the end game of Black Lives Matter. There's a simple answer for you. So what do you want? You're black. You want to be the majority because you're the minority in America. You would like to have more political power, wouldn't you? In fact, if you could run it, you'd be great. In fact, if you can run your own sovereignty, even better. You want everybody's taxes because that'll help a hell of a lot, man. Hey, what am I describing? I am describing South Africa. You want examples of how it looks? Come to South Africa. Last point on this matter is, isn't it ironic that the two countries, the countries where the black people are the most affluent on this continent and the countries where the black people are the most privileged in the world, South Africa and America, are the two countries where black people are complaining the most. From I don't know though. Let me let me let me throw something at you. I don't know if it's if it's the majority of black people. I think it's the minority who are very vocal. Um, black Lives Matter, the actual movement, the group, and the stone throwing people are probably a, a minority. But I'm afraid the sentiment is shared by I would say ninety percent of of black people, probably all over the world. Yeah. Let me throw that something at you. That they are uh, discriminated against, that they are suppressed and all that. Black people feel that all over the world. That'll be the majority. If that was not so, um, the majority would not keep in power this absolutely useless government for South Africa. Let me throw something at you. Let me throw something at you. Hmm. Black people in the West are not oppressed. That's my view. Yeah, and... Uh, absolutely. The old cliche is that you offered, um, if you offered black people in America a one-way ticket and visa back to Africa, I don't think anybody will take it. One of the, some, of, some of the famous actors who said that if Donald Trump became president, they'll go back to Africa. None of them have actually followed up on that because <laughs> they would be seen dead coming back to Africa. Yeah. Uh, I like Africa, actually. We live here. and We're not going to go anywhere else. Africa is, is in me. I'm, I'm a, we are a very strange, unique minority of white people. This place accords with how we like it. But um, I can't see black Americans... Last as long as I do in this country, I'd like to see them. Mm. Do, you know, you need a special kind of toughness so, to be a black and white person in South Africa. Yes, yes, a thought of mine, Steve, and this is why I hmm. say that uh, black Western people are not oppressed. Okay, sure, we're not talking about the 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 fringe. Okay, I'm talking about the median. Um, by continuing to say that 
all black people are oppressed, I think is profoundly racist. It's condescending. And you're creating, you're creating a system in which black people will never succeed and prosper because you're constantly telling them that they're inferior. But listen, isn't that what I'm saying all the time? Yes. It's the condescension of it. At the end of my English video, I say, that is, by bending the knee, that is how you treat inferior people. Please let I never be part of that because I have always treated black people as my equal. It's just they don't like it. They don't like to be treated as equals. They want to be treated as superiors. Um, that's, that's why you have to ask the question, which I ask in the video. How is it possible that a black majority government with everybody's taxes and the taxes of the people that are probably the most um, wealthy on the continent, average, average, it used to be like that anyway. How is it possible that with the entire narrative on your side, you don't get it right? With all academia on your side, you don't get it right. With all media on your side, you don't get it right. With every woke snowflake in the world and his taxes and his children's future, you don't get it right. With the entire Hollywood in your back pocket, you don't get it right. With the entire government in your back pocket and the entire constitution favoring you. How is it possible that you don't get it right firstly and secondly call yourself a victim? In South Africa, especially 25 years later, it's 30 years later. It is just incredible that that can be a slogan for any movement still. When they say um, Black Lives Matter and uh, people like us respond uh, ironically slash unironically with All Lives Matter, um, would you agree with me, Steve, that nobody's saying that black lives or black people's lives don't matter? Just in the same way that farmers' lives matter, of course black people matter. Everyone matters at the end of the day. And dealing with certain situations requires certain approaches. This is why farm murders um, need to be focused on because they're a very separate kind of violence. Um, and there's, there's nothing wrong in, in, in compartmentalizing um, societal problems, right? Right. Listen, let's be brutally honest. All lives matter is not a great answer to Black Lives Matter. In fact, it's a, it's a sad answer. You can do better than that. Okay. Yes, of course, of course, all lives matter. But you can tell me, yes, of course, black lives matter. So, okay, it counts for both of them. It's not a good answer because the moment I stand up and say, but uh, black farm, uh, white farmers' lives matter, you can tell me, no, they don't. All lives matter. And that what you've done there is you've disqualified my campaign. You should have as many campaigns as possible. Campaigns should not be prescribed to. Um, I, don't, mm. I don't care if you want to campaign for the transgender wives of the North Japanese sperm whale fishermen. I, it should you'll have my blessing for it. That is not what makes a campaign. Um, but a campaign, apart from being legit, must also be valid, which means, does it represent a crisis? I know people who campaign for anything. I live in an area where, where people have the luxury to campaign. You won't believe it, the stuff they campaign for. And that I unfortunately must give my blessing to it. What are the stats behind it? What is the? Can you describe the crisis? Can you show me graves, victims, uh, can you show me something? So if I tell you, um, I've only had one campaign, basically, and that is the farm murder campaign, because in ratio, farmers, uh, white farmers, white commercial farmers in South Africa are killed more than any other group in the world. That I can prove to you. I can take you to the bodies. We can go clean up the blood in the houses. We can go count the graves. Um, when you say you are supporting the Rhino Foundation, I can't come to you and say, listen, um, give me your money for the squirrels of Cape Town. 
I'm going to have to ask you, listen, I could do that, but this is for the Rhino Foundation. Could you tell me what is the crisis of the squirrels in Cape Town? And if you can't come up with anything, you can still have your campaign, but it's not a crisis. I'm telling you, Black Lives Matter is a legit campaign, but I don't think it represents a crisis. Um, it certainly doesn't represent the stats that they are saying, that in America, no. more black people are killed uh, by cops than white people. I'm not so sure that stat's standing anymore. It's been, it's, uh, it's, it's a contestable stat anyway. Um, in South Africa, it falls completely flat. South African stats um, really discredit the Black Lives Movement. This leaves South Africa out of it. So if, if they're not shot or killed, uh, there are no laws in the world that I could find that discriminate against black people. Do you have any idea how many white laws in, in constitutions they are discriminating against white people? Ah, that I can prove to you. Actually, we should actually have a white life movement um, uh, out there, a campaign, because we can bring you reasons and real stats. Uh, have we you can seen, certainly bring you bodies. Have you seen price. Jesse? Uh, you know who Jesse Peterson is? Yes. So <laughs> he, he does like, his radio show and he wears a T-shirt that says White History Month. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun to do that because, because you'll be seen dead it'll be taboo to wear the black equivalent of that and I can't believe that the black people I surround myself will fall for this complete humor failure the black people I surround myself don't care about any of this shit they yeah. certainly don't want on the sending hand in their faces all the time they want to be laughed not with they want to be laughed at I don't want to be laughed at I don't want to be laughed with all the time you know, that'll upset mm. me. so I'm trying you know, to find out what happened to those black people I mean, we stood together and voted yes for the new South Africa because we share this damn land, uh, this country, because it's a great country to share. They've all become these hyper, they call us fragile. You cannot understand mm. the fragility of black people and all the power and laws and things they need to make them breathe. You know, Steve, I, and I, I keep coming back to this, but it is actually a problem. And I'm so, and it's not just us as two white guys saying this. Many, many black people say precisely this the more you tell black people that they are oppressed and inferior the longer you're creating a system in under which they cannot succeed and i find that i just find that off the bat profoundly racist if if someone had a conversation with me two weeks ago and he said you know black people in south africa are not privileged and i said well which black people yes there are many who are not privileged but the president is black. The deputy president is black. In fact, the entire cabinet is, is almost black. The, the head of the Reserve Bank is black. The, the, the black middle class is bigger than the white middle class in South Africa. And over half of all locally owned businesses on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange are black owned. So would, would, when you say black people are not oppressed, who are you talking? Oh, yeah, but then the president doesn't count. Well, why doesn't he count? Is he not black? You see, so yeah. this is narrative that doesn't match up to the facts. Yeah. Listen, it's worse than that. You know my opinion about this. I don't fall for that question at all. Um, mm. You would have disparities when the West clashes with Africa, and that's basically our history. Um, we're the only Western people who also remained uh, 400 years ago. We came here and we stayed. We became African to a degree. So um, you, you'll find that the disparities, uh, the, the Gini coefficient between white and black people in South Africa – at some stage, was reasonably good. I think it's shrunk. Um, it's shrunk now. We still have disparities between rich and, and poor, but they may not necessarily be uh, white and black like during apartheid. But here's what happened: even during apartheid, black people will never compare their incomes to the rest of Africa, to their peers in other countries of mm. same races. 
Why would they not do that? Because then they'll find what I said previously to be true, that they are the most well-off wealthy blacks uh, on the continent. And black Americans should do the same math. Don't compare yourself to the rich people in your own country. Compare yourself to your peers in the countries all around you, and then come tell me again if you're privileged or not, and if you're discriminated against or not. Even during apartheid, um, where blacks are seen to be almost like slaves, which they were not at all, the black income was three times higher than that of the Ghana's GDP, which, of course, at that stage, Ghana was the Nigeria of Africa. It was one of the richest countries uh, on the continent. So I don't fall for that at all. You know, um, yes, I think Black Lives Matter and black people have have all the information around them, all the pictures now. And they even drive past the houses of people who are wealthy. And I do it as well. I drive past a house and I say, I wish I wish I was that rich. I, I watch uh, Bolt running the 100 meters. I say, I wish I was that fast, and I wish I was this lucky, and I wish I was that cricketer. But, you know, that's where it stays, and that drives me to become a better capitalist. It never turns into envy. I never try and work out an argument yeah. about how they got unfairly, yeah. and I was in. This no, exactly. is, while you're working out this reality, life is happening to you, and you're going to die soon. Um, and Steve, it is not fun being poor, isn't it? Steve, if I mean, if you really wanted to you with with us a proudly Afrikaans heritage, you could easily sit here and get aggro at me because my my British heritage um, oppressed, you know, uh, Afrikaners. You could, and it was brutal and it was terrible. You're dead right, and we we are. There is still a bit of a wriggling space there. We we all still go ah, but remember the English. But you know the Afrikaner, the Boer. I like the Boer folk more because it goes back further. The Boer folk were never a majority ever anywhere. Not even in their own country, not even at war. And they went and won some of these battles, some impossible battles. They won when they're 400 against 15,000 people. I love that of my people. And yes, that's about as close to a, to a miracle you can come. Um, and then they were suppressed by, uh, then they, the British came and we were outnumbered completely. There was no way we could, we could win that war. We eventually gave in in a bit of a partnership to share the countries. We had 40, uh, 30,000 of our women and children wiped out. Now, for a very small minority, that is a genocidal step. If you're only about 400,000 people, losing 30,000 uh, women and children is devastating. We mm. had the concentration. Eventually, the colonials pulled out and they left uh, the country to us and we could create for the first time in 400 years our own sovereignty. The moment we did that, black people said, uh, ah, we just heard about a thing called democracy. It's something about majoritarianism. We'll take all that. All that stuff. We know you're still smelling uh, the, 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 the war in your beard. It's still hanging there in the blood. But thank you very much. We'll have sovereignty. And half of the white people fell for that. I was one. So um, not once. Not once did we go and beg, beg for compensation. Did we deserve it? Damn well, sure we did. Mm. Not once did we say, listen, flip and look at these rich British people. We just climbed in there, shoulder to the wheel and sorted out something, built some sort of economy in such a way that much later, the, the most single significant uh, characteristic of apartheid is how well it was doing. And that is well, embarrassing. Funny that you should say that. Funny you should say that. Let me let me read you Langile's comment. He says, yeah, Yebo, my cousin and I are called Kafakuns for saying the administrative process of apartheid was good. I think the Boer can save SA again. Currently, uh, it's late for my people. I find that kind of honesty amongst black people a very rare occasion. And people like that should be heard. Uh, that's why I'm enjoying those black people I mentioned earlier on that I use for resources. I'm having lunch today with... Uh, <laughs> that I use for resources. 
<laughs> that sounded so condescending. <laughs> I'm not going to eat them. We're just going to read them. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm eating a, a Nazi as well, you know, and that kind of honesty must be very hard if you're a black person because you'll obviously alienate the black people around you. Um, mm. But I do read in there a certain common sense, and I'm finding more and more black people appearing on videos on YouTube saying things that I 100% agree with. Can we just page over and carry on from this tyranny of entitlement and envy and see each other as equal South Africans? Yeah, as, as, in, as individuals. And someone said that, uh, why don't we see each other as individuals? Steve, this is a major problem with the left. The left doesn't care about seeing you and I as individuals. The left only cares about seeing you and I as male, straight, and, uh, the, and white. That's it. And so, therefore, yeah. everything else is now irrelevant. Ironically, the left, the left's business would be individuals, but that seems to have well, listen. The right and left have swapped places so dramatically that at this mm. stage to discuss left and right is almost impossible. <clears throat> the um, the right wing uh, and the conservatives who were always nailed for pulling out the Bible as a canon and living by this code and having a long list of things you aren't allowed to call people and being very sensitive about their religion and their culture. They are the people now begging for a platform to say anything. Where the left are the very sensitive people, the woke people, the snowflakes who come with long lists of things mm. that you can't say. I can almost not make videos like these. I can almost not have conversations like these in South Africa because my my vocabulary is criminalized. I can't use that word, that word, that word, and that word. And you can use these words, but they are strange in the windows. Please make sure that no, of the, the, this and this and this, this flag isn't behind you when you are talking and taking a photograph. And please don't sing that song, that song, that song, while we defend Kill the Boer in court. That is the kind of hypocrisy I'm going to live with and, and the way I'm going to count my words when I have conversations like this with you. That's, that's very sad. Um, well, I'm going to open the English version in front of me so we can use some um, of those points. Well, you, you're safe. You're safe with me. I'm not one for for uh, censoring words. <laughs> but listen, Steve, we, we we've been chatting about black people, but there's another there's another dire problem, and that's white people. Graham Smith. <laughs> and these. What is going on, Steve? What is going on with these with these sportsmen and 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 these 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 Karen types in Constantia and Santon who who feel the need to 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 look down on their poor oppressed black neighbours who aren't oppressed? Yeah. Listen, that is probably the most complex of the white psyche ever. Is this appeasement of theirs? This um, willingness. That must be the ultimate liberal characteristic is that um, obviously the liberal instincts in you say put yourself in the shoes of the other person, of the beggar and of the – we all do that. It's especially quite an an early, I'm going to say adolescent thing um, without using it as a pejorative. When you're young, you're driving in the car, you drive past a beggar, you just create this hate for your father because he's got a car. And that kind of thing, you outgrow it. The moment you become the establishment, you outgrow it. You realize how hard it is to work for that, how difficult it is to get things, how easy it is to get fire. You become the little picket-fenced family eventually. You become everything you never wanted to be. You become that – establishment that you despise but some people never outgrow it they are like that when they're 21 they're like that when they're 25 and suddenly they turn 60 or 70 and they call themselves max de Prayer. they never lose that thing <laughs> or adrian um, or adrian Besson. it looks like a self-flagellate of adrian Besson. it looks like a self-flagellating thing where you um you hit yourself for everything you you never 
you never stand up and say, listen, this is my space. This is the wonderful context that got me here. This is the momentum I'm going to carry forward. I'm going to keep on learning from the mistakes of the past because I don't want to repeat them. But this is me. This is the sum total of me. My heritage isn't something that's longer than yours. My heritage is for free. It's the sum total of the stuff that I became. Um, You are never free from that group. Even if you're from the group of people who refuse to belong to groups, that is your group. And that yeah. you are never free from. So that sociology, isn't it? Uh, 101, if I can remember correctly. You are never exactly. free from a uh, group as well. And um, that defines me. I, I love my group. I, I love their mistakes. I'd like to learn from them and, and, and reword them and change them. I, we make great friends to other cultures. Um, Western people do that as well. We make great friends. But to surrender everything that you are, that's not a that's not a good um, end game. It's, it's not going to work out well for us. There's a great comment here, a quote from Steve Biko. It says, "The most powerful weapon of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed." Very true, and that's why they say that um, the wars that we win and lose, and especially apartheid, was always a propaganda war rather than I coming across the hill with a gun. It's propaganda wars. People say that, yeah, well, you know, what, what are these videos help? This marching stuff, what does it help? Um, this talking, Mr. Arthur, this talking all the time. Why don't you do something? Well, this is it. This is the first, this is the front uh, line of the war, is the propaganda. It's the information that is flowing around and how it intimidates people. Obviously, we would discuss the left now. The left has fallen hundred feet foot, pins and poikies, as we say in Afrikaans, um, for a certain mm-hmm. narrative. They've lost that propaganda war. They haven't kept the objectivity, which is quite sad. Um, um, so, yeah, it is a propaganda war. It's an information war, and you're going to keep your wits about if you want to be part of it. Yeah, but the question is, how do you fight it? That's, I think that's now becoming a thing. Well, th- this is the only way to fight it. Do you know why? Because if you're a minority or you have an unpopular opinion, how are you going to send a politician to represent that for you? Y- you and I spoke about the Freedom Front, and um, and and ha- if you go just reread the Constitution, you realize that, there's really no other constitution immaterial of the stigma around them and what they look like and where they come from in the history. There is really no other constitution for me that makes sense. If for one thing, if you include God, because that's the only constitution that includes God. But apart from that, they're all fairly basic, actually liberal tenets uh, out there, uh, doctrines out there. Give us freedom. Give us our property again. Uh, give us a, a space in the access and allow us to, to, pr- to pray to our God. Um, that sounds to me quite reasonable. No, none of the none of the other strange constitutions anymore. None of the um, entitlement is in that constitution. It almost or in it the almost constitution the memo. You know, your Steve. It almost seems to me that white people, or not just white people, but it almost seems to me that the Western Western white people, well, I suppose that is white people, I guess, um, are becoming increasingly oppressed by their own desire to to find oppression everywhere they're becoming oppressed of the you know mind of oppression of the mind um because that's what all the self-flagellation is it's it's oppression of the mind when you when you have local comedians who no longer want to put on voices when they're doing comedy shows or no longer want to make jokes about black people because they feel that they can't as white people that, to me, is a type of oppression of the mind. What do you think? Yeah, and it engages the mind, you know. Oh. I just lost Steve. Let's get Steve back. Steve, oh, are you back. Are you back? Right. I've got calls coming. Um, the, um, it, 
is so consuming that you don't have time to focus on anything else. So you can have this craze of entitlement, this crazy envy thing eating you up from the inside when you should be focusing about getting yourself out of the position that you don't like so much, which could be poverty, which could be a job you don't like, which could be suppression. But, it's you know, um, Larry Aldo went on um, is a Dave Rubin show. And at the beginning of the show, Dave Rubin, the white guy, said something about institutionalized racism. And Larry Aldo stopped him at the beginning of the interview and said, sorry, could you just uh, say that again? That thing, institutionalized, yeah, I saw institutionalized that. racism. Could you, give, could you give me an example of that? By the end of the interview, half an hour, 40 minutes later, Dave Rubin had still not answered Larry Elder because he couldn't find a single example of institutionalized racism. Now, I'll tell you what institutionalized racism is. It's that feeling you don't like, um, that, that feeling when you walk into place, you don't like what's happening to you. It's discontent. And guess what? I get it <laughs> seven times every 10 minutes. I'm a discontent kind of person. I'm a negative person. So I get that all the time. Um, do I blame other people for it? That's the difference between me and them is I don't have envy. I want to fix it from the inside. And that kind of starts me up to um, achieve, to become an achiever, to do better, do better than but, the previous but time. But Steve, well, it's... And I know that people do this all the time, but the majority fall for the propaganda. No, but let's be honest. They South Africa does have institutionalized racism. We have many laws that make it difficult for uh, people to do things based on the color of their skin. Well, exactly. If it's then institutionalized and it sets in brick and stone and it's a constitution with a paper, the only institutionalized racism I find is against white people. And that's, what I, that's the point I'm trying to make with this video. Mm. So I make 43 points. I could have made 100 of where if you're thinking that black people are discriminated against, let me give you a piece of my mind. Tell me if what I'm saying now sounds to you like black people are being uh, discriminated against. And I can find no laws against them in the world except for laws against white people. Um, I've got it in front of me. I start off my English video by saying, poor Mr. Black Lives Matter and other knee benders, make no mistake, I pity you. How tragic. And then I, <laughs> and then I let rip. Um, the world, the whole world discriminates for you and still you feel the need uh, that no one listens to you unless you go on national television and vandalize, you burn, you shoot, you kick, you hit, you swear, you strip and you defecate in the streets. So that's how it kicks off. Yeah, the video kicks off on quite a high. Um, is wait, that why, wait. Mr. Lives Matter, you insist on less policing? Those are the questions I'm asking. I'm asking, this is a, a point, um, although this is a Black Lives Matter video, there is one of these 43 points that Americans probably won't understand because I don't think it's happening there. And that's why I asked the president, Mr. Black Lives Matter, is it discrimination for black people that you can be 10 people in a taxi and I can't visit a bludgeoned 82-year-old who, as a rule, gets bludgeoned by black people? Black people don't look inwardly and say, listen, Yes, yes, there's a problem here. One, one day, 30 years ago, uh, as a white person, I had to look inward and make the decision about apartheid and do I want to carry on with it. And I decided against that. Now, 20, 30 years later, I'm saying that black people um, can do anything that white people can do. I'm saying that all cultures, races, and genders can kill and murder and rape. But when black people disproportionately contribute to crime, uh, be it rapes and murders, um, I am asking them to have a spiritual moment and admit to that. I can't find a black person to want to do that. You know, Steve, um, I'm reading some of the comments and something that we actually overlooked, and I think, I think we, sh we, we should go back to it just for a moment. Um, Black Lives Matter is a political movement. It's not, it's not anything to do with black people. It's about pushing a narrative basically of cultural Marxism, of utopian ideals, um, and it's, it has no intention of building anything. It's, it's, it's all about creating division and hatred. I can see absolutely no evidence of people uniting and coming together 
because of Black Lives Matter. I see more division than, um, you know, more polarization occurring. This is not a helpful or constructive movement. And it's not just that. Let's take it beyond skin color. Let's look at the feminist movements. Again, it's about looking for oppression, again, where there perhaps isn't any. Women are inferior to men, so we now need to, we now need to remove men from the workplaces. And so it goes on. It's this perpetual, infinite loop of looking for a grievance or oppression somewhere where there isn't. You're quite right. Um, and isn't that the point that uh, Douglas Murray makes? Douglas Murray In the madness of crowds. That... That's right. That he makes the point that in this time where we have the most violent protests and riots about uh, equality and access and, and discrimination, we are doing it in the time that we have never been more equal. We, uh, mm. uh, gay people have never been more free to express themselves. Women have never been more free to achieve. And black people have never had so many rules in favor of them to get out there. And, do and the most prosperity. And the most, pros- the most prosperity also. Exactly. Most prosperity in history. Um, uh, black, in this time, in 2020, we still lower the pass rates until black people pass. If I was a black person, I would slap away that condescension, that gift handed to me. It's not a gift. It's keeping yeah. me in my place. I will not accept. I can't believe that people are falling for that. Uh, yeah, how do I, mean, I know they're falling for that? And how, how do I know I'm not uh, generalizing? Because the, you need the majority of you to keep this government in power, and that's exactly what you do. So I like generalizing. And it's it's it it is quite condescending. If you, for example, I, I don't know if it's at UCT. I can't remember which university is that. But if if you're a white person, they require you to get eighty percent, and if you're a black person, they require you to get like sixty five or seventy percent to get in. Is like how do you how do you sit there as a black person and go? The university thinks I'm stupid, so it's lowered the the entrance requirement uh, 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 for me. That is just awful. It's one of my points, actually. I can't find it now. How sad for you that you happily accept jobs, scholarships, and grades where others are qualified. That's one of my points. I'm reading it to you now from the English video. Um, You're dead right. Um, My second point right after that is how does it feel to have to shamelessly flock to the countries and the schools and the systems you so despise, Sia Khaleesi? In fact, that's where the sentence ends. (laughs) It's a question I ask our our rugby captain. Uh, They're all trying to step away and move away. I mean, I mean, what uh, about Makai Antini, right? When he was accused of raping his girlfriend, who stood by his side? Steve? Yeah. His, yeah. White, his white teammates, they were by his side. Then he says now today, oh, I felt lonely as a black man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't fall for, for any of that. I had a precarious uh, conversation. You know, many of these sports stars are friends of mine. I do know them. Um, but they also know me to be brutally straight about these things. So um, someone handed me a phone on Monday, and it was Francia Pinar. And, um, and Francia said, listen, Steve, I know you are like this, and you're probably going to get a heart attack. So I said, <laughs> he knows me, I'm going to get a heart attack. But I wanted to know from him, what are you doing to fix it? Where mm-hmm. are you going to go now? The Premier League in uh, Great Britain, where all Black Lives Matter a month or two ago, now – they're distancing themselves from it. The BBC is doing the same. People are slowly distancing themselves from it, and I'm doing the same. I'm distancing myself from it because there are just too many innuendos around this whole thing. I say Black Lives Matter, just that. It's, it sounds right to me. It sounds about right. Black Lives Matter. It sounds, but we all know it is, um, um, 
it, it comes with a lot of baggage and it doesn't come alone. So uh, it was an uh, uncomfortable conversation. Uh, this conversation should be had with our, uh, our bodies, our sports bodies. This conversation should be had with Sia Khaleesi. Um, so my, my last question won't happen. on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't happen. But my last question to Francois was, Francois, do you think today we are more united because of what you did or less united in sport? And? And he didn't answer, but you and I answer to that. I'm asking that to Sia Khaleesi. When you take the stand, Sia, are we going to be more united or are we going to be thrown back to 1985? And that's exactly where we are now. We're back in 1985. We're going to do this whole thing over again. The three, three decades that went past were all in vain. Steve, I'm going to take issue with what you said. I'm going to suggest that we're going back to 1984. <laughs> I'm, willing, I'm willing to concede that point. It's not <laughs> What the hell? I'm willing to go with that one. Yeah, just, you're right. Hey, just, listen, it's not nice. It's not fun. It's not fun to uh, have your heroes phone you and say that, um, that this is a very uncomfortable situation. There, we said earlier on, why do they do that? You know, there are lots of reasons. I think one of the reasons of, uh, you, uh, I think Friedrich Nietzsche said that, tell me how a guy gets his income and I'll tell you what his philosophy in life is. So, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Mm. And let's, these guys get the income from the narrative, from pandering. What, have you noticed that all the big uh, uh, commercial institutions that boycott Steve Hoffman are really national and international institutions? They have to wine and die in the ANC to get their tariffs, to get their uh, great gambling licenses. They they are buddies out there, and for them it's nothing to send each other little you know, message uh, to say, nail Steve Hoffman. That's what's happened. When I had lunch with you for the first time, I remember sitting in front of you thinking, I, th- what you just said now is how I thought about you like five years ago. No, more than five years ago, like seven years ago, right? And I'm very, I'm very ashamed. Uh, it's part of my history that I can't change, and I'm very embarrassed by that. And I'm, I'm glad that 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 there are people who can, who can like me, hopefully um, adjust their views and start seeing things for what they actually are, and not for what the media says. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm looking at the comments now, and people are wildly on your side. With what you're saying, they agree oh. with everything you're saying. Yeah, expecting, it's expecting the opposite. So that's a relief. It's so sad <laughs> that I'm at this age where I, I'm not sure I'm doing this for popularity anymore. I'm not sure I, I care about what kind of following I get for this. They are not popular. Uh, nationally speaking, my opinions aren't popular at all. Um, but more and more, I get black folk who come to me and say, "But we think like that as well." Um, or black folk come to me and say, "We don't think like that at all." But thanks, man, for your opinion. <laughs> I'm like. That, if you want to bowl me out, tell me that. Don't go into a debate. Just tell me that you understand why I'm yeah. saying it. You know, you could ask me that question, but I've understood why black people are saying what they say all my life. You know, giving them the benefit of the doubt all our lives, gave them all the rules and constitutions and sovereignties they needed. But 30 years later, there are no more excuses. <laughs> but thank you very much. Did I pay for that lunch or did you pay for that lunch? Um, <laughs> your about this? I. Th- I can't remember. I think I paid for it. No, no. I think you paid for it. I think because we came out I your think side. I paid for it. Okay. Uh, all right. So let me let me ask you some questions from the comments. I've largely ignored them, um, but the conversation's been so good. All right. Um, morning shot, Ramon. You know him. He says, "I have just one question. Uh, where <laughs> where is Steve's white hood? I heard that he wears it all the time." Arjun Basson told me. It's a it's a it's a point. It's a white pointy hood. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know what it looks like. You, you mean my KKK white? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I use it for many things. I wipe the floor, I clean it up. Um, I've never been a very good f- 
far right person. I've been called that all my life. I've never been a right wing person or a or just a radical person. I'm always called that far right wing radicalist extremist. Listen, Doesn't seem like anything in the middle. Just, I've you know, seen your I've, I've seen your book library in your house, and if if that is what far right people read, then you are a, a lousy a lousy example. A lousy right wing. <laughs> um, I'm a lousy listen, right wing. Local comedian Joe Melio, great guy, he says, tell Steve that there is a silent majority. The more we talk about these topics, the more we hopefully give them the courage to speak out and make a stand. And Joe wants you to know that he has taken a stand. Uh, he has, he, just by the way, he was recently cancelled um, by a lefty because he made some joke, but he also happened to, to state that he likes Trump. And I think that's where the problem comes, you see. Yeah, there are not really many comedians that can say that. Listen, I follow the Hodge twins. They take they take the shit. The Hodge out of twins me. are amazing. <laughs> yeah, they take the shit out of anybody that's slightly left. You know, I've never thought of them as really pro-Trump, but it's not necessary. They just they just laugh at it all. Um, so if I can meet more people like that, yeah, thank you, mm. thank you very much. I think okay. Comedians has been especially strange because they have to address the things that you and I are addressing now, but satirically, but. But if everybody, if the left has, mm. has lost their sense of humor, it's not funny anymore. What the hell is left to joke about? You know? uh, okay. East Coast Renegade. How's that for a name? He says, why is black South Africa so triggered by the idea of a white ethno state? Wouldn't it be better for everyone? Sure. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that this is what they are crying for is a black ethno state, but you can't have a white ethno state. Um, uh, many, many of the people on my side of the political uh, line say that, can we just please have what we offered you during apartheid, which is give us our homelands, give us our independence, and we'll be fine, you know, we'll sort that out. So uh, you, you are true. They don't like us in numbers. They don't, they do know that we don't sit still. We think all the time. They do know that we are achievers. Um, I've never found, I must tell you, I'm not a biological determinist. So I've never found a race that can't do things. I have found lots of races and tribes and genders who didn't do things. And there were lots of reasons for that. And I understand mm. that. And that's history. That's how it is. I am not sure how you, we don't want to make the same mistakes from the past, but I don't know how you judge people from history. I don't know how you judge people from the time of slavery when slavery was a conventional thing during slavery. Yeah. You couldn't have asked people during slavery in 1540 that they are doing a strange thing because nobody, are, not even Jesus criticized slavery because it's a convention of the time. It's what they did, you know. Um, even during apartheid, there was obviously, no, that was way past slavery. We didn't have a whole lot of slavery in South Africa. There was some of it initially. Um, mm. During apartheid, actually, um, someone like Favud realized that this thing isn't tenable. It can't last. You know, you can't maintain the status quo. And he offered back all the traditional land for all the black people. And that is when I saw that black Jan Smuts also said the same thing, okay. actually. They were interested in it, eh? Jan Smuts also said that. He also didn't see it uh, as a long term. Although I know that he's, he, he's, not, he's not well liked within the Afrikaans community. <laughs> Yeah, because he was in the, in the middle there. But let's say he came to the same conclusion on this point as Favut, where Favut must have realized that this is not going to work. This is not going to work. We're, we're just mm. not. It's just not going to work. Um, we don't have to hate each other. We really need each other. We work well mm. together. But um, let's give black people their sovereignty. That's the thing you asked for about why do black people uh, despise white sovereignty. But here they were offered already in the 60s uh, black sovereignty in your traditional lands. But black people said, no, we don't want land we don't want our traditional land we don't even want our traditional land and your land we want our land your land and what is on the land and we also want the land where our ancestors never were that is what they got in 1994 still it is not 
good enough. Man, I wish I could offer you Botswana in Namibia, but it's not ours to give away. So I'm, 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 I'm asking black people, um, what more? What more can we give you? Let me read you uh, a comment here from Warwick. Um, I'm so sorry, not Warwick, Elizabeth. Uh, she says the race, cultural, and religious division uh, is an agenda that's pushed by the government. Um, and I would also include there the media uh, to create division. It is the same as Yugoslavia from the 90s. The only way to stop this is to stand together. What do you think of that comment? Uh, yeah, well, well, that is a dream. You know, um, we are not going to stand together. I do agree with that, that the government benefits from pushing these agendas and mm. pushing the conflict, putting it out there. You know that you and I had the discussion last time that when they went out there, I think Afrobarometer or 702 or somebody went out with a microphone into Tembisa to ask people, what are your concerns? It was probably two years ago. What are your concerns? Racism just never came up. It was never mentioned. It didn't make the top 10 of the South African concerns. Racism wasn't there. It was important things, more important things, like am I secure, am I safe, do I have a job? Um, those were the things that people were uh, uh, complaining about. Mm. Are we ever going to stand together? And I've heard that forever. We must just stand together. No, Listen, it's not going to happen. We as the Boer folk without the Afrikaners can't even stand together. Um, I have groups of Afrikaners who focus solely, instead of focusing on the ANC, focus solely on me and the things that I do wrong and the things I say wrong. That is the, that's the kind of psyche out there. And I don't don't tell me it's only amongst uh, uh, Afrikaners, of course. All groups in the world are like that. You have a certain group of people who are always looking in and nailing the people who are fighting with them against the greater mm. problem, but the greater problem itself. So, no, standing together is not going to help, not even within consensual groups. Langile says, uh, again, uh, young black people are buying into this white monopoly capital narrative and that they are oppressed and that white that the white people are the oppressors. He says young white people are being made to feel apologetic, and that is just BS. Yeah, if that is still true, it could it could be a sentiment out there. I see very little of it. You know, if someone looks at you funny and you get a funny feeling, I think if you get lots of those funny feelings, you should go see a psychologist. Because uh, maybe you're seeing things. I don't know. Um, people can look at me yeah. as funny as want i am inspired from the inside not from the from the outside um so you can say the, it's like water off a dead duck's testicles to criticize me it just inspires me to do more and more um i'm also as i told you in a previous conversation i'm also quite a pessimist which means my day never turns out as bad as i expected do you know how inspirational that is i'm going to write yeah. a book about that philosophy you just reminded me of a. You reminded me now of a of a of a clip from Jesse Peterson where he went out into the streets, interviewing people. Um, and there was this one woman, uh, who no, it was was it a woman or a man? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Black black man. Let's just assume uh, it was a man. And uh, he said, uh, "Sorry, the person was saying, yeah, you get this feeling, you know, where where they're looking, where they look weird at you, or they don't want to interact with you." Um, and so Jesse says, "What what do you think is going on there?" And uh, so he says, well, it's obviously racism. And JC goes, well, what if I told you that that person just doesn't like you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the point I'm making. We are not going to legislate everybody here and force them to trust you. But that's uh, two of my points is how terrible that you have to rely on laws to compel other people to love you. Mm. That's a harsh point, man. But I make it in my video, and I'm, uh, when a video comes out, you'll see it. Uh, my next point is how terrible that you have to rely on laws that compel others to trust you, to employ you. What a, 
terrible situation. Um, yes, most of us are waiting to be employed, but I hope that inspires you to actually go out there and become yeah. the person who one day employs other people. Uh, Ramon absolutely disagrees with you on the Botswana th- on the Botswana thing. He says, leave Botswana alone. They're doing great. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that Botswana, we can't give away. I wish we could. <laughs> in fact, if I could take it, I, I would own it. I love Botswana. In fact, they're probably one of the few countries in the, in the, on the continent still getting it right. You know? I don't see Botswana ever wasting a lot of time on, on these things. Namibia yeah. as well. It is there, but it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't encroach and um, obviously take over the entire discussion in those Anri, Anri says, as a musicologist, how's that for a nice word, a musicologist, Steve? As a musicologist, I am convinced that we need more revolutionary Afrikaans musicians to inspire the youngsters. Our young Afrikaans men are so frustrated and without hope. Steve, there is something there is something that I've noticed, and I, I was actually chatting to a friend of a, a friend of a, a friend of mine recently about that. There's something going on in the Afrikaans Zef scene that seems to be very self. Um, what's the word? Flagellating. Have you noticed, or am I am I seeing in, seeing something that's not there? No, you are seeing something that is there. I'll tell you from the start that I, d- I don't like it at all because it it is a uh, it is a genre in which they have to portray the white as a complete dysfunctional human, uh, a useless and Afrikaans, not, not just white, white and Afrikaans. Afrikaans. Because that's a that's a kind of a thing you can sell. It's almost like the almost like the trailer community, I suppose, in America. They seem like the 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 the, the hairy backs um, trailer trash. They make a commercial thing of it. Um, but once again, it's something that they can only do if they criticize their own culture. So I'm not a big fan of that. I suppose, I'm, like I said, I don't prescribe to people what they should do. The musicologists make a very good point. Uh, this is an important point, that um, you will get no protest music in Afrikaans. Even the people who are singing the protest music in Afrikaans, you have never heard in their personal capacity say anything else but sing songs. Um, take note of that one. Go on Twitter now and tell me who are the other musicians who are actually verbalizing the content of their songs, or rather just making money out of the, um, the uh, scene, you know, this whole narrative of of, of the Afrikaner, which is now supposed to be a victim. So um, that is the one point that needs to be made. Um, you know, when, it, when it's gone from cricket to rugby and they've bent the knee there and they've bent the knee until the stadiums are empty, it's going to come to art and it's going to come to be the musicians and the singers and they are going to be confronted, the musicologists, they are going to be confronted with, um, are you pro-Black Lives Matter or not? And if you are not, we're going to cancel you and you won't sing again ever. I will tell you who's going to remain standing and who not. Not one Afrikaans singer is going to remain standing. It seems that the art department out there in the Afrikaans community is wholesale left-wing, wholesale liberal. And that's why we do, she's right. That's why um, we don't have a protest culture in South Africa as far as the singers go. In the mm. old South Africa, because when it was left wing, um, it was a very vibrant, also amongst black people, a very vibrant community. They were all friends of mine and they turned into the full Frey Bewegung and the struggle singers. And it was um, the, the Kwaito guys and the people that I worked with, uh, Steve Kikani, I'm from the older generation, um, Arthur. You know, they were uh, Ringo. They were vocal people about what was going on in politics in South Africa. We just don't have that. Why? Because um, liberals just don't know how to handle what's happening. The whole world is turned upside down. So they sing uh, see, love songs and three chord songs. Um, uh, Roman says, "I'll only bend the knee on two occasions if I ever meet the Queen, and when I proposed to my wife." I tend to agree with that. 
but Democrats right. are all, like liberals and Democrats are all about like in the US they're all about bending the knee I mean Monica Lewinsky bent the knee or is it too early for such jokes Steve <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that second reason Ramon was going to go I was going to go Ramon don't go there don't go there oh it's okay. <laughs> be my well, to, uh, yeah, to be my wife yeah so so right yeah listen uh, I enjoy Ramon a lot um, I'm glad he's, he's tuned in Ramon if you're listening to us uh, buddy you know I follow you like I follow Jim fanatically almost um, you guys have been some of the first guys who, in English, verbalized uh, the things that I only felt in African parts. So both of you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, we're part of the right-wing cabal, according to Arjun Basson. Um, I don't know if that's meant as a, as a if, if that's meant as, a, as an insult. I think he's got it wrong. <laughs> listen. Yeah, he's got it wrong. The, listen, the right-wing cabal um, is all about ball. And if you have balls of Buddha porcelain, can you hear that? That's Boer porcelain. I, I, I can if hear that. If you have stall ballas, I don't mind being part of that cabal at what all. If, can I can I add to your porcelain? <laughs> you see, I'm part of that cabal. Unri Unri Agenya is now her day's been made. She says, "Oh my word, thank you. I have just realised what my PhD needs to be. Oh my word, thank you, Steve. You were exactly what I needed to hear this morning. So we've inspired her PhD." Wow. We have inspired a PhD, but I'm dying to know what it is. It'll be nice to know. Un- and can we read afterwards? Yeah, Henry, let us know. What is your PhD about or what's it going to be about? Um, Kerry says, even the entertainer and some of my podcasts put a clip in saying that they stand with Black Lives Matter. Oh, uh, the entertainer is that app, I think, where you can buy stuff and you get discount, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for a brief second there, it was quite the thing, you know, you... You do it, you make your profile black. Um, mm. Lots of actors and singers in South Africa and the Afrikaans community as well did it. But that thing very soon, the, the, moment, the moment all the information came through, that Black Lives Matter is hardly the innocent organization or grouping that it seems to be. The moment you go into the origins of Black Lives Matter, you go into the founding fathers, the founding mothers, and see who they are. Some of it's them are all present, I think, for child trafficking. Left-wing you nonsense. You realize we're with good old-fashioned Marxist uh, let's destroy establishment as we've known it. The worst thing about destroying establishment as we have known it, the worst thing about removing statues because of history as we have known it, is have you got something to substitute it with? Can you replace it with something else that is superior to it? And that they cannot come up with. I'm waiting for it. If you remove a statue from 1800 in the Africana community... Yeah, it's weird, eh? You almost nothing in there from the black community because they didn't really have a kind of a history that was unless it was written by white people there's nothing you could put in the place of it that contributed in that field so i'm it's against such, removal of stuff yeah it's so strange steve our people people are so triggered by hi- history you know if if we were to judge okay so you mentioned earlier uh, judging judging people by history imagine if that were true well, then if that were the case, the British would be the greatest nation on the planet because they conquered half of planet Earth and they didn't do it by asking nicely. But Well, that is true. But that, but that has no effect on me. I'm not part of that history. I mean, long term, long term maybe, but I've got no – I mean, I'm South African and I don't even have – I don't even have – I know that – People in my sort of uh, previous generations were part of uh, oppressing Afrikaners, but I'm not part of that. But I can admit that that's what happened. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Listen, I love history and uh, I love mm. uh, heritage. And I have a very simple relationship with history. And my relationship with history is that you are the sum total of your history, not yeah. just the good part. 
You are the sum total of your history. You are who you are, where you are right now and thinking as you are thinking because of the good and the bad that history presents to you. And it depends on how you're going to look at that. But to mm. hop back to an era that you can't change, couldn't change, to see it without, I must tell you, as a, as a person who likes to learn and read and write books and opinion pieces, the harshest for me is the absence of context when it comes to yeah. writing stuff. That's just incredible that you could say that's wrong in history and um, we, sh- we should look at that. And that's a big problem. They, they can't believe they did that. When you weren't there, you didn't live there, you weren't in their shoes, you weren't inspired mm. by the same, you weren't motivated by the same thing. That's a strange thing. So when I write books about history, I've got to go live in that period. And I can't understand why other thinking people can't do that. Langile has made probably the best comment of the day. He says, is there a camp that Steve has that can install the old Boer values into the youths? I would like to stay at this camp and be a Zulu Boer, as a belief. <laughs> yeah, listen, the, uh, once again, the sum total of the jewels of our cultures will, make a, will be a great camp. Uh, don't forget uh, Zulu gems as well. Great things, practical things there that um, one can use. Their sense of warfare was stolen by the rest of the world. So don't, uh, don't mm. shortchange the, the Zulu culture. The Afrikaans culture will be necessarily a conservative one. Um, that has never stopped us from being progressive. That has never stopped us from doing the first heart transplant. But some values, some core values that we keep there, um, which which is almost seems taboo today. But if, it, if there's going to be an Afrikaner or a Buddha comp, it's going to be that. It's going to be people who aren't afraid to work. Um, tough. Buddha, Buddha are tough people out there. Um, it is um, loving the land, living with your ear on the land, listening to its vibrations, coming with clever Western ideas that almost none of them seem to work in Africa. You come with an agricultural idea yeah. from Europe to Africa, you change that very quickly. Taking a dry piece of land and making it work with animals and with um, uh, plantations um, – the Afrikaner has many mistakes on a Boer camp. I think you'll have to concentrate on those again. But thank you, Lingila. Those are the kind of people I want to share South Africa with. Uh, that's a very, very good point. And if you come to the Boer camp, I'll go to the Zulu camp. Um, but now that's part of the beauty of, of celebrating our differences and not, and not being ashamed of our differences, which is, which is a leftist narrative. Yes. And uh, like I said earlier, laughing at each other and not with each other. Sensitive people laugh with each other. But uh, comedians have taught us that you, you must laugh at people. Pick a pick a oak and take him apart. Now, I grew up in that community, so I, I can make harsh jokes in front of people. I've had to learn to get some sort of guard in front of my mouth and count my words. Uh, comedians are going through the same thing. Even old Chester has turned from a brown person to a white person. It, isn't it incredible how we've just become these protected little people? I like the world where you go out and go, ha, I'm here. And Yay is a draw, man. And then he tells me mm. I'm a draw and we keep on with our lives. That and, then you have, and then you have a beer. Years ago, the South Africa I voted for and it never happened. But I see like Lungile and I, we'll get along. We'll get along. Steve, we, we have gone over slightly over an hour now, so we kind of have to wrap up. But um, are, there, are there any parting thoughts? Uh, we've, we've, we've established that, in our view, uh, oppression is really a, th- a state of mind. Um, and uh, or at least that's that's I'm convinced that it's a state of mind. And the more we tell black people, as a summary, the more we tell black people that they're oppressed, the more we're going to think that they're oppressed. I think you've no, you've hit the nail on the head there by saying it's a state of mind. It is a state of mind. Clearly, 
politicians are not going to make this a better country. Um, they're not going to do it for me. You know, we are hardly represented in, in, in Parliament. We're very small. Uh, political representation, but uh, you as a black person out there, by now, how is it possible that by now you still rely on politicians? You still think they're going to... You, you think that the COVID aid that was promised you, which only some black people got, white people weren't allowed, all of a sudden there's 500 billion of it gone. Somebody's driving a nice Buick uh, with the money that should have gone to you. How is it that by now you cannot see this? That politicians are not going to save us. War is not going to save us. Those of us who were in a war, who served as soldiers, seems to be the only people who don't want a war. Those wearing red berets who were never in a war like Julius Malema, he's the one screaming for it all the time. Why? Because he's just a child. and He doesn't know what a war uh, means, not just for you, but for the people around you. So you're right. We're left with what? We're left with ourselves. Us, the South Africans, with a state of mind that says, could you please leave the envy, leave the entitlement, all of you, white and black, and just get this. You don't have to agree all the time. You don't even have to like each other. Just can we just carry on? And at least economically at this stage, which is almost too late yeah. to save okay. the country. Because I want to leave. I want to, I want to leave with one question. I've asked a few previous guests this question. It's, it's completely left field. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm nervous. No, it's not nothing to be nervous about. Okay. The Bismarck, you know what the Bismarck was? Right? The the ship. Uh, ship. Yes. Who sank it? The British uh, also a German Or the Germans. Who sank it, Steve? Who actually sank it in the end? Please don't tell me the Germans sank it. No, no, no. I'm asking who, who you think because there was a documentary that I've spoken about before in which they the divers went down to have a look to see um and they found what they think is evidence of scuttling. So I'm asking you, do you, do you think Winston Churchill was correct in, in, in claiming that, that the British sank it, or do you think the Germans were too proud and sank it themselves? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the latter. Sorry, I don't know the information of that. I like the latter one. I think the Germans would probably have done that. I'm half <laughs> German-Dutch, so I guess they would do that, wouldn't they? Well, what would <laughs> you do, themselves. okay? What would you do if you were the captain? The ship has been damaged. Damage is going around in a circle because the rudder's broken, and you've got Spitfires just launching torpedoes at your ship the whole time. Wouldn't you say, guys, let's just take it down and not give it to the Germans? I mean, not, not give it to the British. I'm probably a coward, but in that soldier's situation, I can see the Germans going, let's do it ourselves. Let's not give them. <laughs> we will, we will, we will send, we will send the ship to the depths of the ocean. <laughs> to the depths of the ocean. We will go down with it. Um, listen, okay, so they discovered what? They discovered... No, they just... Um, I must go and find the documentary. I think it was on Discovery a long time ago uh, when it was still a good channel. They, It's difficult to tell because, you know, it's decades later and there's lots of rust, but they look... They found what seems to be evidence of scuttling and it's it's in a location that the torpedoes from the Spitfires wouldn't have, um, wouldn't have been able to get to. Okay, but that little story of yours bears very badly on the rest of the conversation. <laughs> I'm trying to think, how am I going to use that to think about going into the future politically? So, no, I'm not going to sing South Africa. I'm not going to pull the plug on my own things. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm, not going to move. I'm not sinking my own goddamn boat. I don't care what the Germans did. To the no, I was, I was just throwing it at you because it's a fun... Dis there's another... Okay, yes. quickly, quickly, quickly. There's another one, right. Hypothetical. This is completely hypothetical. In a boxing ring, Mike Tyson versus Bruce Lee. Who would win? Now, remember, Bruce Lee is allowed to uh, kick. Mike Tyson obviously doesn't kick because he's got because he's got uh, uh, powerful arms. Who do you think would no. win? Bruce Lee would kill him. He's just too nifty, too fast, and way too fit 
he'll bounce around him like a butterfly forever. And, and Tyson will, <laughs> if Tyson got the punch, you know, I think he'll, he'll Tyson, him. Ty- so listen, Tyson needs one this punch. This is the shit that you think about all day long, Jim. This is your sense of philosophy. <laughs> this is, I love it. This is what I do. I draw pictures for a living and I think of crazy scenarios. <laughs> I can see that. And you're very good at that, by the way. Listen, uh, Steve, great fun i've enjoyed the conversation lots of people everyone in the comments is pretty much on the same side so it was a it was a very much an echo chamber but i think i want to visit your followers i need them i get antagonism everywhere else i go if you enjoyed this podcast please visit supportgerm.com